0: Well, this morning, I, uh, I experienced something that I've never uh, gotten to experience in my whole life. I feel like I've, I've chased it uh, for a lot of years. Uh, many of you know I don't really like running, and uh, everybody kept telling about this runner's high. Well, this morning, I think I experienced runner's high. I woke up realizing, yeah, that I was not running in the cell today. And I was pumped. I was so pumped. I, I feel so good. I had a rush of energy. I could eat breakfast. I just, I'm enjoying today like none other. So may God be with those who are running right now. Uh, with that, we're starting a new series. And we thought we would do that kind of to kick off really, obviously, summer. And, you know, summer in Wisconsin, I'm finally waving the white flag you don't start things in summer in Wisconsin because we have been uh, boarded up for so long because of winter, and it's this just explosion of activity. Uh, yesterday, we decided to plant a few things that ended up being lots of things, and it really doesn't matter how much you work out. You, you go and garden a couple times, and I was just done. And so you, you get excessive in summer, right? We just, we enjoy the outdoors. There was a fellow that came in and, Said, yeah, I broke out the bike and rode 300 miles yesterday. And, you know, people are sunburned and (laughs) worked over. It's only been, what, one warm day. Wow. But that explains a little bit of our culture, how we just, we drink in the ability to to break out. And we wanted to talk about how do we spend this summer. And we're going to do that in light of this summer. We're going to spend time talking about Proverbs. Proverbs. Uh, the book of Proverbs is one of the books of the Bible. It's a book of wisdom. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, but often it gets really reduced to uh, like this fortune cookie kind of faith. So how many of you like fortune cookies? Yeah? Why don't you pass a few of these out, would you? Maybe open those up, pass a few out. Allie, would you pass a few of these out, would you? I know. Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> pass out a few of those. I've got to have a couple of people read those. I we got to read a couple of these fortunes, uh, these wise sages that I don't know where they write these, but bust one out, would you? Open that up. Get the fortune out of there. Like quickly. <laughs> I have 27 minutes. Uh, it's like people are ashamed. I like fortune cookies, but I don't want to admit it. Do you, what, do you, what do you have right there? Can you read it? What was it knowledge knowledge of, will help you. knowledge of current events will help you so we just say amen and go to response and <laughs> this fortune is just so deep that was good hold on to that who has one over here anybody what do you have Kylie welcome the change you've already had this change this is amazing Welcome to change that's coming into your life. Um, so, when we were talking as a teaching team, we said we want to tackle the book of Proverbs, but there is one big, usually misunderstood and misused idea with Proverbs is that we treat it like a fortune cookie. We treat it like, ah, I'll just take this one little proverb and pull it out, and we'll use that. Now, Proverbs are not uncommon to the world. In fact, if you were to Google, uh, like Proverbs, you'll f- you see tons of them. Let me give you a couple of them. Here's a famous one you'll read. Man who lives in glass house should change clothes in basement. Man who leaps off cliff jumps to conclusion. Not, not so funny. Um, how about this one? Man who sneezes without hanky takes matter into his own hands. Yeah, that is disgusting, isn't it? Uh, but we remember things like, he who hesitates is lost. And then we have the, con- the contradicting one that says, haste makes waste. And so these Proverbs are all over. So what's really the difference from what we're going to read in Proverbs to what we read out of fortune cookies or uh, Proverbs that are still being written today? I think one of the contexts that we have to understand is that the book of Proverbs can't be taken just as these morsels of one verse. We have to, in essence, look at the entire 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs and see what is it that God's trying to say to us as a whole, uh, as a package. Because we're going to find that in here there are very interesting uh, passages or, or proverbs that seem to contradict, but they don't. Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5 do not answer a fool according to his folly or you or you yourself will be just like him verse 5 answer a fool according to his folly or you'll be wise in his own eyes two statements that seem opposing and yet the author is getting to something a little bit bigger than that and so what we need to do is to be able to survey more of the whole of the book of proverbs Now. In light of that, as Christians, we know that the book of Proverbs is a part of a bigger story, and that story is in the whole of the Old Testament. And we need to make sure that we use the book of Proverbs accordingly to look at what is it the truth that God is painting throughout the book of the Old Testament, and not just the Old Testament, but also the entire Bible. And so we find that Proverbs, the book of Proverbs sits in the midst of 66 books And we can't just pull out these little phrases and sayings. I mean, if we were to do that, think about this one. This is a great one. Uh, Proverbs 31.6. Give beer to those who are perishing. Wine to those who are in anguish. Think about that for a minute. I told Kim he does hospital visitations. It sounds like he's to bring six-packs to those who are getting close to the end, right? Uh, there, There has to be... Uh, a way for us to pull back and to look at the whole of what is it that God's trying to say. And when we do that, we find that spiritual truth isn't just resting in Proverbs, and yet Proverbs has this unique way that it presents truth. And so let me give you a couple pictures to this. It's really context-sensitive. What I mean by that is you can't just pull a verse out of the book of Proverbs and say, ah, this is like the mantra verse that I'm going to use for the rest of my life for everything. You can't do that. There are many verses in there that you wouldn't want to apply in all situations because they don't fit. And so when we're looking at Proverbs, when we're, when we're addressing the book of Proverbs, we have to understand that these passages have context for us. Now, who wrote the book of Proverbs? We know that the, the son of David, Solomon... Is really is known as being the wisest man and the wealthiest man of all time. Solomon is, is in prayer and he asks God for wisdom and God gives it to him. Ironically, Solomon fails and is very unwise in a lot of his life. Yet God gave him wisdom and the, the ability to breathe out over 300 of these different proverbs. We're going to find that he, he teaches these truths. Now we never see in the book of Proverbs, it never says, thus saith the Lord, like in many of the passages in the Old Testament, or Jesus speaking in the New Testament, and Paul, or or Peter, or John quoting Jesus. So you find that these Proverbs are are very much like life skills in the midst of how we operate in the world, and so we have to be careful. There are contexts that we have to look at, why they were written, what they were written about. Now, Hebrew language back then was very interesting because you would write proverbs in a poetic fashion. And you'd write these uh, proverbs to illustrate or to use what's called parallelism. And so you would say that doing this would be like doing this. It would be like a parallel of something. And so you find that this is often throughout that there might be comparisons It's saying making a decision like this could be compared to making this kind of decision. And so the writers are using few words, smashed into just a little bit of a verse, but very intense. When you read a proverb, every word counts, and even punctuation counts. And that's even the writing in your Bible, you'll find that there's a certain return that sends the next line to the next line, or returns to the next line, because there's a flow and a rhythm to Proverbs. So we know that Solomon writes uh, a large portion of Proverbs, but also there are wise men that are mentioned throughout the Proverbs that have written some. You'll find uh, the great first name of Augur, if you're thinking of good kid names, A-G-U-R. Uh, Augur, son of Jekai, and we don't know who this is. This is probably good. Uh, king, There's a king, Lamel, you, who also wrote some of the Proverbs. So it's not strictly Solomon, but he has assembled all of these truths at the time. There could be an argument to say that any truth in life has been God-breathed. Now, I don't want to run down this track too far because I don't want you to slip and think that everybody else is speaking truth. No, the truth has its source in God the Creator, period. But we know that the book of Proverbs has a special place because it's in the narrative of the Bible. And from Genesis to Revelation we find that the book of Proverbs has its place and it's illustrated throughout its whole. And so that's who wrote the book of Proverbs. Now, why the book of Proverbs? Why why would they write this book for us and why did it, why didn't we just stick with the rest of the books? Why are these small little poetic pieces and so we read that the proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, gives us reasons. Why he wrote this. First, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right, just, and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, uh, to let the wise listen and add to their learning, to grow in their learning, uh, and let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs, parables, and sayings and riddles of the wise. At that time, that was a common way to speak and it was a way to gain some insight and understanding and learning. And so what we find is if we were just to reduce this down we see simply that the book uh, of Proverbs is written for gaining wisdom and instruction, understanding words of insight, receiving instruction, prudent behavior. We read through this list. And this gives us really in chapter 1 there uh, a very quick picture of that. But look in if we look it really ultimately it's wisdom. But we see that wisdom has a unique relationship with one uh, virtue or one quality in our lives, or one thing that we need to learn, and that is the fear of the Lord. Often, throughout the book of Proverbs, you're going to find that this verse or this phrase often appears, and it appears throughout the scriptures. And it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So there's something very unique about this that, we find that there's fear is uh, often in the New Testament is speaking to fear not. Now yet there is this first step of entering into relationship with God and that is fearing the almighty hand of God as we talked about in First Peter. That hand of God, his, his orchestrating hand, his, his loving hand, all that and we, f- we fall underneath that. And once we recognize we fall underneath his authority, we're asked not to fear. But the beginning of this type of knowledge and wisdom comes from uh, this fear, this first step of fear. Now, wisdom, this knowledge and wisdom, is maybe talked about as knowledge. It's talked about learning. You're going to have different key phrases all throughout Proverbs that are going to just reoccur. Things like uh, uh, understanding and uh, a way, a path, a road, uh, discipline. Uh, righteous, just, and so you it'll you know, you'll want to kind of pay attention to a lot of these returning words and even in your Bible you may want to get a couple different uh, translations and so you might have an NIV, a new international version. You might want to use uh, like an NASB uh, could help even get a little bit more literal. It'll be harder to read but you'll see some word adjustments because for us to translate uh, in taking these Hebrew words Sometimes we lose a little bit of the intent or the impact from Hebrew to English. But we find that the the definition for wisdom really is applying God's skills for living. This is an important note this morning before we dive into Proverbs. Uh, We can't just think that we can gain knowledge about God and mistake that for wisdom. Wisdom is the application of that in my life. Wisdom has to do with me hearing truth from God and then putting it into practice and into play in my life. Now two great verses in Proverbs that actually speak to this and they're great pictures. Like the useless legs of one who is lame. Someone who has legs but they're, they're missing. They, they, don't, they don't work. They're, they're not functioning. It says, is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. In other words, Someone who, it would be like, it's, it's like someone who's speaking this wisdom to you is like uh, someone who has this wisdom but doesn't use it themselves. Can't even use it in their own life. I like the next one better, 26.9. Like the thorn bush in a drunkard's hand. Can you imagine somebody drunk with this big thorn bush? You know, you see some of those uh, thorn bushes that have those huge thorns. It says, is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. It would be foolish. Why? They'd tear themselves up. They'd be getting stuck themselves. Someone who has knowledge of a proverb and has truth and yet doesn't apply it is very foolish. It's it's not useful. So what we want to be careful of is proverbs aren't for us to gain this fortune cookie-like proverbial wisdom and all of a sudden you'd be telling everybody about it. It's really more for us to apply in our own lives, and then we begin to live out in being wise people. I think it's important for us this morning to note that. Often Christians, I find, use truth to kind of bash other people. Use verses and proverbs to point out things in other places and other people. When really the truth that God has for us is to be applied in our own life. And so wisdom is applying God's skills for life in our own life. This would be wisdom. This would be wisdom. The last kind of overview here. The book of Proverbs uh, has some different breakups. But just to simplify it this morning, really, two that just make sense and are easy to understand. The first chapters, verses 1 through 9, Are really Solomon giving a discourse or giving a talk to some different audiences, to a son, to someone who is foolish. He's giving these kind of messages or talks, one through nine, or setting them up, setting up the value of wisdom, why it's important to be wise and to choose right paths. The second half of the book, really, is there's some breakdowns with even within that, but really, 11 through 31. Uh, are a collection from these different authors, and the ones I mentioned, those four different ones, and you'll find some of the Proverbs saying, written by this person. And so again, it's a collection, but you're going to find there's well over, almost four, over 400 different Proverbs, ranging from how to deal with money, how to deal with other people in your life, how to deal with speech, what you look at, your heart, uh, making choices. Working with the poor and and, and those who have less. I mean, you'll find proverb after proverb after proverb. And again, just to review, this has got to be more than just a fortune cookie. Like, ooh, I got this proverb and this is my theme verse. It needs to be held in light of the whole of God's truth. So that's all set up. That's all set up for us really to to look at this morning. What I want to talk about is choices. Choices. We all, every day, make hundreds of choices. We make choices about what we will say. We make choices about uh, what we're going to do with our time. We're going to make choices about how we're going to spend our money. We're going to make choices how we're going to deal with certain situations that are going on in our life. And we are making choices daily. One of the themes that's all throughout the book of Proverbs, but really, friends, all throughout the whole of the Bible, is that there are two paths. There's, there's not a third and there's two paths. And I love this picture because on the one side you see this one kind of set of this dock, this path that's crooked and then it starts to fork off like more decisions. And the scripture will talk about this being the crooked path. And even in the gospels it'll talk about this wide road. It's easy to go on. And it's one that you'll hear in Proverbs about this crooked path or the one of the foolish or evil. And it leads you in a direction that's away from God. Then there's another path, and it's the one that's the straight and narrow, as we've we've heard often in our languages as uh, Christians. But it's it's a path that's more narrow, and it's more difficult. And you're going to find in what we're going to talk about here is that choices matter. Now, before I get into that, I want to make sure that we make a couple clarifying statements. What I'm not saying this morning is that I had to seriously pray through what stool would be used this morning for teach time. And, you know, which, which type of bread should we use, Lord? And you've given us one choice. So I think there's two ways that I see throughout the Bible that God operates with choice. And I find Christians fight about this often. I think sometimes it's like going down 41, north or south. Right now we're going through this like seven-year project of construction and so you know that you'll go, there are some times where you're going to get forced to go into what? One lane. And you know that in times that you, you're to be in this one lane for a while, and it's barricaded, you don't really have a choice. I think often in Scripture, there are times where God calls on men and women and you and I to make the one right choice. There, there is no option. There is just, this is what I want you to do. Do it. If you don't, there's a penalty. There will be a price to pay. But I also see as common in Scripture as a time when it opens up. And I was, you know, I was raised in California where it opens up and it could be six to eight lanes. And I think there's times where God gives choice. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter uh, you know, what stool you're going to use here. It doesn't matter sometimes... Uh, even some of the biggest choices we think about where we live and what kind of house we buy. I think sometimes Christians, you know, God's up there, listen, tell me there's one way. And God's saying, choose. I'm a loving God, just choose. And that we live in tension, I think, as Christians sometimes. Well, is this, a, is this a choice or is this the way he wants me to go? And I think that's one way to pray in tough decisions. God, are you giving me options here? Because sometimes, really, it's not a good or evil choice, right? What color hair you're going to color your hair, ladies, right? Or, or what kind of haircut you get. You don't really pray over that. God doesn't mind. Whether you have hair or not, I believe, you know, <laughs> doesn't matter. I think there are a lot of choices in our lives and that God is just saying, I love you, and I want to give you a lot of choices, And then we know that we reconcile the scripture that says that God works together all things for his pleasure and for good. When we offer it up to him, even in a bad decision, isn't that amazing? That God would take even a a wrong choice. And if we recognize that choice in saying, God, I messed up on this one. And I'll be the first to raise my hand as pastor. Sometimes I'm on that crooked path. It's like living intention, like, ah, I just made that choice, didn't I? And God redeems it, and God will put you back on that. And so I think to know that God gives choice sometimes, and there are some times where he says, no, this is what I want. So in that, I want to give this picture now. I I also found something very interesting, and I knew there was a reason why we hired Derek. Um, No, there's lots of reasons. But his name actually means... Derek actually means way, path, road. Please don't start calling him the way or the path or the road, or even replacing way, path, or road in the passages. That'll really mess you up. But it's interesting. That's the original Hebrew word to to describe a path or a way or a road uh, of right living. And so what we're going to find here in chapter 4, I want to just quickly go through this this morning to give us a little bit of maybe a, a leaning into our series as we talk about life. Notice the logo is the old Game of Life uh, logo that actually I just saw that they brought back. And remember that game? The Game of Life and you had to get insurance and life insurance. It was one of those crazy games you played. We are living life real time. And wouldn't we like some more wisdom to work through it? Wouldn't we like a little bit more insight from God about how do we make some of the decisions that are just r- real ones about choices that we have every day? And this is why this series. So verse 18 says, The path of the righteous is like the morning, this morning sun shining ever brighter brighter till the full light of day. We get this picture even this morning. It says, But the way of the wicked is like a deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and it's so dark? All you're kind of doing is... I remember there was a wall here, right? And you're, you're just you're waiting to trip over something that was left out, a dog toy in our house. You, it's that sense of I'm not sure where I'm going. He says, listen, the righteous have this sun and this brightness and it's taking them in the right direction. But the way of the wicked, this crooked path, is dark and they don't know where they're going to trip next. Verse 20, my son, pay attention. This is Solomon again in one of these discourses. To what I say, turn your ear to my words. Now these three verses, I'm gonna, or these four verses next, I'm going to use these uh, just to read them because they're a part of this passage, but we're going we're gonna to skip over on the teaching of these. Do not let them out of your sight. There's a visual. Keep them within your heart. They are like life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Proverbs have interesting insights, not just spiritually, but actually value. Physiologically, we have there is some truth in Proverbs about our bodies. And, and you'll find that throughout the book. But the proverb writer is saying, listen, keep these things in your sight and within your heart. And then verse 23, which I love. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I highlighted that because that, that's a theme verse even in, in the New Testament. Jesus first addresses the Pharisees and says, you're doing all the right things. Or least you think, but your heart is evil. In the Old Testament even, God says, I don't care anymore about your worship, your sacrifices, and all the things you do for me because it's your heart that I was after the whole time. Friends, we have to guard the heart of our lives. And no matter how we live out our faith in this world, what matters most is the heart condition that you have this morning. It says, keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. And so there's a little bit of a jettison there. And so I remove those. And then the last part of this. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left and keep your foot from evil. So, so the picture here is this path, the way. And, and in essence, it's asking us, it's saying, listen, as you, as you walk through life, be very cautious about choices you make. Understand where your feet are going. Remember the, the psalm that says, "Your light." The psalm and proverb actually, they're both there. But the light that you give is a, a, a from you, God, is a light to my path. There's that phrase that we read in the psalms and proverbs, and it's this idea that there's some guidance in following God that He brings to us, and yet we keep thinking it's like this big ever-ready flashlight. When what? It's a candle. I and mean, when they're writing it, it's a candle. And I can't imagine a candle in some of the darkest nights in Wisconsin walking through the woods and trying to just slowly find my way. He's saying, be very cautious about the steps and the choices you make and be very steadfast, careful in thought about all your ways. And again, we want to we take this in context because he's talking about this, this good path, this straight path, or the crooked path. And to take in consideration choices about how our heart is with money, with relationships, with our sexuality, with our, our uh, time, how we spend our time. All those should be taken in consideration as we think about path. And this morning can't help but recognize that many of us probably have to begin to reconcile the reality that we have choices every day and maybe we're not making the best choices. There might be an option for some of you and that's fine and some of you have options and for some of the choices. But I'm talking about those ones where there's a clear perspective. There's a clear truth in God's word about a choice. Never does God give a choice whether you want to sin or not. There's never that option. And so, sin, any kind of sin, which I would imagine all of us walk through these doors because there's an invisible sign that says no perfect people allowed. So, pretty much everybody's imperfect and sinful in this room. And so, that means pretty much for all of you, you've taken steps on the crooked path. And what he's saying is that's not an option. That's not one of these five lane highways that you get to choose. That's not a good thing. And how we look at some of the areas of our life, we might want to be very careful in thought, very prayerful in thought about how our feet take steps. Do you realize the words we speak to people are choices? That one little jab to somebody to make sure that they feel some sort of vengeful, way that we can get back at him. That little gossip or that little slander, those are all choices that we make with our mouths. James will speak about this. It's a choice. And God says, I want you to be very cautious about those things. That's why a proverb will speak about a man who speaks little. That means man or woman. A person who speaks very little is wise. It's important for us to make choices and to think about that life is offered up many choices. Now this summer, summer is interesting in Wisconsin. And I said before, we, we have this, this explosion of activity and it's like, yes we're out of the winter. And already it's, just, it's you can just see uh, uh, the plants coming out for sale and all the, the shops and stuff's being sold and you can just see the frenzy of activity. I want to give you just a couple cautions and I'm gonna exhort I love the word exhort cuz it's kind of a way to like like not yell at you but it's the Bible says that a lot I'm not yelling at you but it says exhorting it's a strong challenge it's saying you need to do this here's what I want to caution you first is don't push stop often I find people especially Christians when they go through a hard time they push the stop button on their spiritual journey They say, I'm just quitting. We have people that have left our church and other churches, and they will leave God for a while and say, I'm done. Just too hard, God. Life is too hard. I I feel like you're not existent. And and in some ways, they don't really believe that. It's their way to get back at God or almost be like that rebellious child. We all do that, don't we, at times? I'm going to encourage you not to push stop. Some of you are hurting in this room, and you're going through stuff. Whether physically, emotionally, spiritually, maybe finances are a problem. I don't know what they are. And friends, I'm going through, though, Trisha and I, our family, we go through all that stuff, too. Not to minimize your suffering, but we all have, in our own way, our own pain of life. Don't push stop. Probably more appropriately, though, for this room, I see this happen all the time, and especially here in our church. I see a lot of people with the idea that, Troy, I've served my year in the winter. There's not much else to do, you know. I know that's not your attitude, but it's just this kind of what it feels like. And we're opening up the cabin, and some of you don't have cabins, but it's, we're going away, we're going to absorb the sun, and you will not believe it's, it's the plummeting of everything around here. And that's why I kind of wave the white flag. Don't start anything in the summer. June and July are just off limits, right? But I find a lot of people push pause on their spiritual journey. Friends, if God came back in the middle of July, he would not be saying, oops, my bad. I forgot it was summer in Wisconsin, and you're out at your cabins or just playing or hanging out and golfing, whatever it is. No, he would ask, how are you loving me in this amazing summer that I've given you? How are you pursuing me? How are you growing forward on the path and and making your living and this earth matter? How are you doing that? Now, this is not a guilt trip to say sign up for something here and you have to do something. I'm not saying that. It just means wherever you are, you don't push pause. Our spiritual life doesn't stop. So in light of that, what can we encourage you to do? And let me just give you a couple thoughts before I finish up here. So we have, uh, in our logo, there's connect with God, there's belong to God, and we used to call it serve, but it's really go, go and, and be the gospel to the world. And so the first one, really connect with God. I'd say first and foremost is wherever you go, whatever you're doing, don't forget this, your Bible. The 1st of June, we're going to do something that people do as Christians, some kind of a, some traditional habit that people have done with Proverbs, and that is there's 31 chapters. On June 1st, we'll start as a church, not in uh, Sunday teaching, but we're just going to, through the website and Facebook, read a chapter of Proverbs and go to the day. If it's, if it's you know June 8th, read Proverbs 8. And that way, in June and July, you can go through it twice. That's a great thing. And you can do that with your family. And you can really do as much learning as we're probably going to do in this room. Another thing, though, is interesting is that we... Recently, we have on our website, you can watch the videos of the church, but more recently, uh, we have now a Ustream, which you can watch it live. And so if you're at your cabin or you are, let's say, uh, on the golf course and you have your phone and you just need a little bit of teaching from community or some of the worship, you can watch it live. And uh, I'm hearing myself, right here it's echoing, so I'm going to shut that. But you can watch it live. Uh, and that's not like a commercial for us. And actually, there are commercials, by the way. Last service, a Walker commercial like, freaked me out. so I turned the sound down, right in the middle of it. But you can watch that. And, you know, it would be great for you to, with your family, if you're gone or away, to, just as a family, do church. It may be go to a church. Just don't push pause on that. This grill up here gives us, it's like the icon of Every person in Wisconsin, right? Um, And we have in our in our kind of our methodology here at community about belonging to the body. And what a great way to do that! If your group is still continuing on, do that. If it's not, you know what? I encourage you. Some of you don't know people. Invite them over. There's nothing like a grill in Wisconsin, right? Doesn't matter what political party you are, what football team you like. Doesn't really matter. The grill seems like the great equalizer, right? Unless you debate about how to grill, and then it could get ugly. I know. But you can invite people over and just connect with people. Man, we'd say do that with family and friends, and what a great opportunity. The other last way really is to serve or go. And that's where, you know, in our church, we're just being more more aggressive at how do we as the church, you know, pack up what God's given us, the gifts, the resources, and we begin to be the gospel to the community. We're, again, with our second way. We're buying homes, and we're gonna to begin to do that more, and we're excited about that. We're excited about our learning initiative program, but you have wherever you're gonna be all these opportunities staring you in the face of serving people. You can do that on your own. We do have, which we're gonna do in June, we're gonna pilot it, and it's gonna happen every month next season. But we're gonna do our first Saturday serve. It's eight to noon. There's this little card on your chairs. We're looking for 200 people to do that. It's 8 to noon. And uh, Tricia and some other are going to be in the, the uh, connection area for you to, to talk about that. But sign up for that. Sign up for VBS. Uh, there are so many opportunities to serve. Really, those are just there for you. Friends, this is not a commercial to have you do all this stuff. What I'm trying to say today, this morning, you have a choice with your Summer. And God cares about those choices. And he doesn't say that it's summer here in Wisconsin and just quit on me. He says, no, push play and continue on. Deepen your spiritual walk. This morning we're going to go to the the communion table, and after that we're going to go and then watch these amazing baptisms. So some of you have the habit of just bolting after communion, and I'm not calling you out necessarily, but I'm saying, man, stick around for baptism." There's something about that that just says I am pushing play in my life and I am telling all of my family and friends in my body, this church, that I'm loving Christ. But this morning as you go to communion, might you offer your summer up to him because he offered his son for you and he didn't push pause. He could have, but he didn't. So let's pray and go to communion this morning and then we're going to do baptism. Father in heaven, thank you for the blessing of of seasons, and the blessing of just summer here in, in our area, and God, we pray that we would use it well. Father, might we model what you did for your son, and that is, Lord, you gave it all, and might we give as much as we possibly can muster up this summer for you, in Jesus' name, amen.